Hold on. <laughs> what is up? We are back on the first Thursday edition. Little technical difficulties, or at least uh, <laughs> minor brain issues on my part. But hey, we're back on the first Thursday edition of Football Life Presents the Audible on this Thursday, December 16th. I'm your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my co-host, Matt Bushnell. Matt, it's good to see you for the second time this week. How are you doing? Yeah, Randy, you know, um, a little chilly today. Um, trying to stay warm, obviously. I've had to put my hoodie on today because it is only 56 degrees outside today. Wow, it is warmer than that here today. So global warming is a hell of a thing. Uh, <laughs> or climate change, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's real. Uh, feels like it anyway. Feels weird in upstate New York for it to be this warm uh, in December. But we have a great show for you today. We're going to preview all of the Week 15 action. we got some news to talk about on the top of the show. But before we get to all of that, Matt Bushnell, episode 84 for us today. And I don't know about you, but I share a name with the guy that I think of first wearing number 84. And it's none other than, in my opinion, the second greatest receiver of all time, Randy Moss. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could outdo that one. Um, Randy Moss is such a great number 84 and is one of the first ones that came to my mind as well. So I'm going to go with you with 84. I think it's one of the first times in a long time that we'll agree on 84. Shout out to Randy Moss. Uh, shout out to all the great Randys out there. Uh, and fun fact, the Vikings inexplicably have not retired number 84. I, I don't understand. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway. All right, well, let's get right into it, Matt Bushnell. Second straight show, we have news to talk about right off the top. And if, if you are fans of the show and have watched us from the beginning or followed us from the beginning, you know that I work the graveyard shift uh, at my job. Um, it's, it's, it's very um, rare when I wake up and there's breaking news. So I woke up at 1 o'clock this morning, Eastern Standard Time, and there was breaking news. Urban Meyer had been fired from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, this has been a conversation between so many in the NFL circles and one in our chat too, Matt, that you were adamant they were not going to get rid of Urban Meyer. And I, I kept saying, I don't know how they don't, You, to, but to your credit, you did not know the story that was coming out yesterday. Um, a lot of stuff broke in the last just couple of weeks, really outlining what it was like for Urban Meyer, uh, what it was like to play under Urban Meyer uh, at the NFL level. And maybe it shines a light about what it was like before, even at the college level. Um, but we're talking about reports of him kicking a kicker and <laughs> Josh Lambeau. <laughs> Um, telling him to make his kicks, uh, straight up bullying him, um, telling all of his coaches that they're losers and they are the worst staff he's ever had. And he had better coaches at Bowling Green. Um, the James Robinson scenario from a couple of weeks ago where uh, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick, mind you, uh, said, hey, he's one of our better players. Let's get him on the field. It seemed like he was burning a lot of bridges here and didn't have any fans. When you lose a locker room from the top down, and this is rare to lose the players and the coaches, you don't have many people left to stand up for you. And I think the ownership finally got the message here. Yeah, I, I think it's different. I, I totally believe in my heart of hearts that if this story did not happen or, you know, if Urban Meyer did not physically assault a player, he'd still be coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, no matter how bad it would have been. But with this story, you had no choice. From the dysfunction with the team, the players hating him, how he just browbeated his coaches and all of that, it was just, it was time. You can't justify keeping a person like this within your organization and really put Trevor Lawrence in a terrible spot here because like we talked about on Tuesday, Randy, people are questioning Trevor Lawrence's talents. And I, th I think one of the big things and listening to Jim Harbaugh talk about this, you know, when you play college football, you, you win based on talent because let's face it, Ohio State is never, I mean, God bless Illinois and, you know, all those other schools in the Big Ten, but they're not Ohio State. The talent gap is humongous, much like what we see with Alabama, um, Clemson in the past, and even Michigan this year has a pretty talented team and so does Georgia. So, you don't have to be a great coach. You have to be a great recruiter. And then when we get to the NFL, you have to be a great coach. You can't be an okay coach. You know, you have to lead men. You have to be able to do this at a very high level of scheming things, making plays that make sense for your personnel. And I don't think Urban Meyer was ever able to make that connection. He's just like, well, I got these players when you can't get the 30 best prospects in an NFL draft 
and when you're used to that in Ohio State, getting the best prospects in the nation, I, I think it really showed that his inability to coach, and that's what it comes down to. So at the end of the day, you know, I, I was wrong. I can't run away from that. But in the same token, I didn't know. Yeah, I think a lot of times, even if you are not the greatest head coach ever, it, but if you are a good leader, it kind of masks a lot of your issues. Players aren't willing to give up on you if you have their backs, um, if you guide them in the right direction at the very least. Like you can have shortcomings when it comes to in-game decisions, um, scheming, if you have good coaches around you. Um, if players respect you and your coaches respect you and you're a good person, I think teams and, and people in general aren't willing to give up on you so fast. This guy is really showing his true colors as being just a world-class piece of garbage in this situation. It's more than just, I'm a bad coach. He's a bad person. <laughs> I think yeah. now the world is seeing this. Um, when you're a bad guy and you're hard to work with, these people aren't willing to stick up with you and stick up for you anymore. And he lasted all 13 games for the Jaguars. It reminds me of Bobby Petrino. And I don't even think Petrino is as bad of a guy uh, as, as Urban Meyer was. Petrino with the, uh, was it the Falcons back in 2007. Uh, he lasted 13 games as well. He went three and 10. Uh, Urban Meyer went two and 11. Uh, the, the one last thing I'll throw out here, Matt, um, in nine years with Ohio State, he had less losses <laughs> in his entire tenure <laughs> than he had with the one season he had here with Jacksonville some guys aren't NFL coaches Nick Saban kind of proved that himself he's not an NFL coach didn't make him a bad coach but it's not for everybody for me Urban Meyer I'd be surprised uh, to see him in another football situation unless he goes back to Fox as a commentator I actually didn't mind him as that um, but I'm interested to see if he has a future at all uh, in football yeah I, I definitely think he is destined to go back into color commentary whether it's as an analyst on a pregame show mm -hmm. or whether it's in the booth as an actual color commentator his analysis wasn't bad for the college game I, I don't think that would be affected but this hurts the image and i don't know how you can sell yourself to the public i'm sure there'll be a rehab um press junket where he'll claim that you know certain organizational dysfunction led to his frustrations you know, the typical BS stuff. And then I'd see him probably end up back in a college program. I think he will coach again, but never at the NFL level. We see these guys all the time, Randy. Bobby Petrino went back to college. Nick Saban. Um, Matt Rule would be destined to go back to college. I guarantee you that after his. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's just what it is. I, I don't think you have to necessarily give up on college coaches in the NFL but I think when you take a look at the college coaches, one, I want a guy that has had NFL experience coaching and or playing at a specific level. Mike Vrabel, for instance, was Urban Meyer's defensive coordinator at Ohio State. And then, of course, I think the name everyone forgets, Jim Harbaugh started off at Stanford and he went to the 49ers and had a tremendous run there. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think Jim Harbaugh would make an excellent hire for a lot of people, namely, you know, Chicago Bears. But, <laughs> yeah, wishful thinking. But um, at, at the end of the day, Urban's going to end back up in college, and he's probably going to be as successful as he ever was. Yeah, nice knowing you. Uh, I, I guess if I could have put money on it, I don't know if he would have been the first one I would I would have said, but probably in the top five of uh, guys on the hot seat right away, especially when you get handed uh, Trevor Lawrence and you know how high of uh, praise he got coming in. And I think now we can all say free Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> let him <laughs> let the, hire somebody now who can truly unleash uh, Trevor Lawrence. Now maybe uh, down the road it is a, a call to Dabo or, or you make a smart decision. I've seen names, uh, Jim Caldwell, uh, Doug Peterson, uh, um, you know, you need a guy who's a leader when you have a dysfunctional franchise. And I think either of those would be a smart choice. So uh, for now, it's going to be Daryl Bevel taking over the reins for the rest of the season. And he's a longtime NFL guy. So I don't think that's, a, you know, necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Trent Balky is going to remain in his place for the rest of the year. I, I don't really love Balky that much, <laughs> but maybe they make changes there. We'll see. But ultimately, I think this is good for Trevor Lawrence going forward. Yeah. Yep. Free Bucky Trevor. Bucky Bucky. Yeah. <laughs> How can it not be? Uh, all right. Well, that's uh, the news. I mean, that's just big over the night. Uh, you know, this was a crazy story that happened overnight. So uh, good for the Jags, not not being held hostage by the, the long contract they gave Urban Meyer. So hopefully you learn your lesson and uh, move on. Let's get into week 15 here, Matt Bushnell. Tonight, Thursday night football, we have an AFC West matchup. This is one of the best Thursday night games we're going to have all year. Um, it is the Chiefs going into SoFi Stadium to play the Chargers. Now, 
No Rashawn Slater for the Chargers. I believe he is on the COVID list. Um, Austin Eckler left in the third quarter of the Giants game. I think he had an ankle, but he's expected to play. Keenan Allen is back for this game, so he's going to play. Um, but as far as mano e mano at the quarterback position, this game has me excited on that alone, uh, despite some of the other players missing from this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm juiced for it, Randy. I think this is going to be a great game. I, I think what the Chiefs are doing now – and this is what's going to be significant. With Slater out, I, I give the Chargers zero chance of winning this game. With everything that they can do offensively, it really hinges on how great Slater has been. Um, uh-huh. and, and you and I both thought this was going to be it. You know, this was uh-huh. going to be the case for Slater, and it absolutely is. So now we take a look at Frank Clark is really turning up the engines. Chris Jones has been an absolute monster since moving back to defensive tackle. And, oh, they got Melvin Ingram, who completely transformed this defense by allowing Chris Jones to go back into defensive tackle. Uh-huh. To, to me, I do not like this matchup without Slater for the Chargers because they, they, they have to be able to keep up with points. The Chargers' defense is not the greatest. They got some players on that side of the ball, but they need better players around these star players. Joey Bosa is fantastic. Um, uh, God, I'm forgetting the safety. James. Oh, Derwin James. Yes, very good. Yep, Derwin James is a great safety, but now they, you know, the pieces around them are just not good enough. And you, and we know the Chiefs are going to put up points at this point. Like they, they are starting to figure it out offensively. They're establishing that physical brand of football, trying to run the football. They may not get yards, but I love your line. But how you always say, it doesn't matter the production you get on the ground. It matters that you attempt to get those yards on the ground. Absolutely. So to, to me, it, it, this is setting up well for the Chiefs uh, on a great game. I think it's going to be a great game, but I think the Chiefs are going to win this one. So glad I can have this influence on you, Matt Bushnell, because you <laughs> understand the philosophy of football. The, the running philosophy will always be important. The body itself, obviously the elite of the elite guys can make a difference, but as long as you have those hog mollies up front in the trenches, you can effectively run the football. Um, This should be noted here, Matt, uh, Chris Jones was put on the COVID list two days ago. Um, So he could still theoretically play if he tests negative today. Um, That news has not come out yet. So he, his status for this game is still questionable. I I think this is a huge loss for the chiefs. If he cannot go um, for obvious reasons, he uh, moving him back, into the middle of that defensive line uh, has been a huge difference for the defense for the Chiefs. I think the last five games they've let, allowed up less than 10 points per game. Yeah. I mean, Jones is a huge reason for that. I mean, he, we, he's one of the best players in the league on that side of the ball. Um, and if he can't go, it's a huge blow. Yeah. Um, but I do still think the loss of Slater <laughs> is enough of an impact to not trust the Chargers here. Uh, look, the Chargers aren't playing the Giants this week. <laughs> the Chiefs are a whole other animal here. Um, but I think if uh, for the sake of all of America, if we can get a Herbert Mahomes duel here on yeah. Thursday Night Football, everyone is in for a real treat to start off week 15. Yeah, and what's our point spread on this one? What's Vegas given us? Uh, let's see. The over-under is 53 and a half, and the Chiefs are favored by three. Oh, man. You see, I always hate the three because it just feels like, can, can you give me the half? Either give me two and a half or three and a half. I always like the half points. I'm not a big fan of just giving me a flat three because that allows the Chargers to cover at uh-huh. three points. Um, 53 and a half is an interesting point total. I don't know if the game will allow itself to get out of hand. Initially, I, I like it. I like the over in this a lot. Um, but I mean, then, all it's got to be is 28-27 for that to hit the over, you know. Yeah, you know, and, and realistically, one of the teams gets in the 30s. I, I, both these right. teams are capable of getting into the 30s. Right. Um, it's just going to depend on pass protection. Um, I, I, I like the over. I'll take the over on the points, and I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover. I, I'm going to go Chiefs 35-30 to 30 over the Chargers. Yeah, this game did open three and a half, so I, I don't know if the what made the half go. I, I guess the the public likes that the Chargers getting that half a point there as a home dog, but I, I can't say I totally blame them there either. I don't. I think the home field for advantage for the Chargers is really all that great. It's it's probably one of the worst home field advantages in the league. Um, but the Chiefs are playing really good football right now. They they are playing all around. Um, the offense still isn't at the speed I'd like it to be right now, but. Uh, once that comes around, if it can match the level of the defense, the Chiefs are as dangerous as anybody. And if, if Reed and Bienemy can get the offense going, 
look out because I think they're the favorites in the AFC. And I'm with you. I think the Chiefs win, and I like the over as well. Give me the Chiefs 30-27 to 27 in a great game here on Thursday night. Oh, man. All right. What a game to start. Absolutely. And I, I can't wait. Uh, I don't know if this is the last Thursday night game, but I think it might be. But uh, I have to look ahead at the schedule for that one. Um, but, hey, this is the time of year we get Saturday football. And I don't know about you, but I love me some Saturday football um, because it's just another day of the week. There's professional football out. Who doesn't love that? Um, while bowl season starts and college football tomorrow, the NFL said, Hey, you know what? We gave you the army Navy game, but we're still king here. Um, and the games are iffy. I mean, I like the night game, but the early game now being severely affected by what's going on in the world right now. Um, it is the Raiders at the Browns at two o'clock or, or three o'clock kickoff in Cleveland. Um, this game opened up as the Browns being a six and a half point favorite. Yeah. And now with the Browns putting 12 players, including Kevin Stefanski as a, uh, on the COVID-19 list, um, that game now has the Browns as a home underdog. Uh, they, they're getting a point and a half. So you could see the shift between all of the players the Browns are missing, including their quarterback and their coach, um, now to the Raiders being just not <laughs> a little bit more healthy than that. So there's a scenario here where the Browns are out um, 14 starters in this game, and that's a huge difference. Um, and for no other reason, I guess I have to like the Raiders here. Yeah, this game's the hardest one to pick. And I think there's games that you stay away from. And yeah. this game is definitely a stay away game because you just don't know with 14 starters possibly being out for the Browns. I mean, that's a huge difference. That's monumental. I do like Case Keenum at quarterback better than I like Baker Mayfield. So I think that would help the Browns. Also, with uh, if Jarvis Landry is able to play, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, you know, you, you get those guys going. I like that along with Austin Hooper. So as long as those guys are good to go and, and you're able to have Miles Garrett, I still like the Browns in this one. Not a huge fan of with the, you know, the, the Raiders have nice pieces, but without, we're still talking without Darren Waller, you know, Josh Jacobs news broke that he's having his ninth child with the eighth different woman. Jesus. So, so that's stuff that you don't want to come out before a game. I mean, it's his personal life. You know, I, I have personal beliefs on that. I'm not going to touch on it, but you know, st when, when stories like that breaks, it never helps your cause, especially when it's as dysfunctional as the Raiders have been this year. I, I think it's just too much to overcome. Deshaun Jackson has been a kind of a nice piece here. Hunter Renfro still a nice player, but I, I, I can't go with the Raiders here for too many reasons. I don't like their defense. I think Case Keenum is going to be able to handle it. So I'm going to pick the Browns to outright win this one, even without the 14 starters. I'm going to take the points as well. So give me the Browns 27 to the Raiders 23. All right, I guess it should be uh, noted that uh, the Browns won that playoff game last year without Kevin Stefanski on the sidelines against the Steelers. Uh, I don't think they're missing quite as many players, but um, they, they are capable of winning games uh, shorthanded on the coaching front. I do also think Stefanski is still heavily involved from afar. I think he's yeah. pretty good at that. Um, I think everyone has gotten pretty solid at um, – coaching from afar, somewhat more than others, I would say, um, especially some of the younger coaches who are better with technology. But um, I'm with you on the Case Keenum point. We talked about that the other day. I think Baker makes too many mistakes on a regular basis. I think when he's playing well, he's fine. But when he's playing bad, it's really bad. Um, if the Browns can come up with a game plan, which I, I think the coaching staff is good enough to let Case Keenum manage the game, run the ball, then I do think they're capable of winning this game. Um, but if the Raiders lose this one to the shorthanded Browns, it is a wrap. Just, just oh, yeah. it's done. Just end the season now. You had a nice run. Uh, I respect the, t the hell out of Derek Carr here. Thanks for spoiling the Cowboys Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> you got some good moments here and there, but ultimately there's too many hurdles to climb over here. Um, but give me the Raiders. I just, I don't know what to make of the Browns situation. I kind of think it's too much for them to overcome at this point. And this loss could, uh, you know, cost them the division. So uh, give me the Raiders uh, 20 to 13 over the Browns. Uh, over under in this one is 38 and a half. And the Raider is now favored by a point and a half on the road. All right. Saturday night. I love this game and I love uh, Saturday night football. Just give it all to me, baby. I love it this time of year. Uh, this is an old school rivalry too, at least old school in my life. Cause I'm, you know, a young and still for the time being uh, the Patriots go to the house that Peyton built to play the Indianapolis Colts. This is a good game in the AFC. Yeah. The Colts now seven and six playing pretty good football coming off of a bye week. 
welcome in the one seed in the AFC, the New England Patriots, who I believe are on a five-game winning streak. So uh, I think this is a good matchup. I don't think this, I think these are kind of similar teams in a way. Um, I kind of think the, the Colts match the, the Pats talent wise, uh, maybe we'll have a little bit more of a higher upside at quarterback, but still um, I like both coaches here. I think this is going to be a really good game on Saturday night. I think it's going to be a great game. And one of the things to watch out for is I saw a stat today, Randy, and you know, we are offensive linemen lovers on this show. We love ourselves some offensive linemen, unlike the guys like Dave Gettleman um, and other such GMs that just have a disdain for the hog mollies, as you like to affectionately call them. Quentin Nelson has allowed one sack in his last 2,098 pass attempts. That is absurd. So roughly that's like four seasons worth of football. If you're, if you have an average offense that runs an average amount of plays throughout the year. So with that, I, I do like the, um, I, I just, I, I like the Colts here for a lot of different reasons, but mainly because I think they're going to be able to do things to not let the game get out of hand. I think they can limit Mac Jones. This Colts defense is very, very good. Um, they fly around the football. It's kind of like a no-name defense, but you still got DeForest Buckner, who's fantastic. And then you have Darius Leonard, who is, in my opinion, is maybe one of the top two middle linebackers in all of football who doesn't get any love. I mean, we can debate Roquan Smith and Fred Warner um, and then um, Devin White from the Bucks uh-huh. in that conversation as well. All great inside linebackers, but Darius Leonard belongs in the top two. He, he's really good. So what the Colts can do is what I like. They can take away the passing lanes and come up and tackle. This Colts team is a very good tackling football team. And we've seen Mac Jones on those five-yard passes, who I believe, if it still stands, had the least air ball, air-traveled yards in the NFL from Mm -hmm. any starting quarterback. So that makes a difference in the grand scheme of things in this game. I think they'll be able to tackle. I like the Colts here because I think Jonathan Taylor presents a real problem. This team's committed to running the football. They love running the football, whereas the Patriots like to get after the passer and be able to sack them. So give me the Colts here, Randy. And I I like the Colts in an all-time classic matchup, 27-24. Last time we talked about it, the spread was two and a half. Are we still at two and a half favorites for the Colts? Uh, yep, they are uh, two and a half, yep. and the over under is 45 and a half. So, I like the over on this 27 24, and I do like the Colts to cover and win the game. Take the points. I think for your um Chiefs winning the AFC uh proposition, you need this to happen. <laughs> I don't know where the uh the Pats lose, I, they do have the Bills next week at home, so I think they could lose that one. Um, but this could really set up ni- things nicely for the Chiefs if the if the uh, Pats were to lose this one. I don't know if they're going to lose. I know Jonathan Taylor is is elite and probably the MVP of non-quarterbacks, uh, non-defensive players this year. Um, he has been remarkable. This just feels like a game where Bill Belichick takes him away and then he That's says, good. all right, Carson Wentz, you beat me now. And um, I haven't seen Wentz put in that situation too many times this year. Um, the Bucks game, I felt like at the end, they kind of said, all right, Carson beat us. And they, he did get them down the field and ultimately threw an interception. Yeah. Um, this feels like a big Michael Pittman game to me. I, I think, you know, his big body frame that Carson could throw a few balls up and he could come down with them. But I just get the sense that Belichick's going to come up with a master plan uh, and shut down the little running back that everyone says is, uh, you know, a front runner for MVP. And maybe we also start to reconsider that um there's nothing against Jonathan Taylor I think he is remarkable and I just think Belichick has this weird way of flexing on people and saying hey remember those five touchdowns you scored against the Bills well we're not the Bills (laughs) I'm Bill Belichick I'm one of the best defensive minds if not the best defensive mind this game has ever seen um I have a ton of respect for you and that's why you're not going to do anything in this game I do think this is one hell of a football game I love the way these two teams match up with one another Give me the Pats. I'm going to go with the under here. I'm going to go Patriots 21, Colts 20. Oh, wow. Yeah, Carson Wentz does scare me a little bit when it comes to the quarterback position because he can win you a game. He's he's extremely talented. He's shown that this year. But, man, there's some times when you just need him to be better and he just leaves you kind of holding your hat like, man, very disappointing. So Wentz is a roller coaster for sure. 
Yeah, have you caught any of the in-season hard knocks with the Colts? Uh, I caught the first two episodes. Um, did they have the third one during the bye? Because I didn't see it last week. They had, I think the third episode was the Bills game. Or okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that one. So, okay, I saw the first three episodes. I love it. I, I and think then they had, a, they had a Bucks episode, and then they had the Texans episode, and then they just did a bye week episode last week. It's, okay. it's, I like the, the midseason. It's entertaining, I, I got to say. Absolutely. I, I think you kind of see the relationship Frank Reich has with Carson Wentz yep. and how, how they're able to communicate with each other. I love it. I, I Great job by the NFL to do this. So more hard knocks, please, in season. <laughs> you could give me the, the Jags, which would be your honestly great television, but oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you could give me any team and I'm in. I mean, it, it, I love the behind the scenes stuff. I love seeing the locker rooms, how these guys live. I mean, it's, it's an inside of a world that none of us are ever going to be totally familiar with. So absolutely. I love that. All right, on to Sunday in the early games, the 1 o'clock slate or the um, 11 o'clock slate if you're in Arizona like Matt Bushnell. Um, but we're going to start with the game that I suspect to be a blowout. That is the Arizona Cardinals coming off of the Monday Night Football loss to the Rams, traveling to Detroit to play the 1-11-1 Detroit Lions. Um, this feels like a get-right game for the Cardinals, and they, you know, they win by three touchdowns or more. Yeah, it's hard to pick against the cards here. I, I think the cards win. Um, last time the spread, I believe, was 10 or no, 13 and a half points. It's 13 now, so not much of a change. That, that's massive. Um, I, I think, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to ride the MCDC wave here, and I'm going to go with our good friend Leon Tompkins here. I don't think the Lions win, but I think the Lions are going to cover. I think it's going to be competitive. Give me the cards 27 to the Lions 17. Wow, you're like the Lions being frisky. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, look, I, n- normally, I mean, I'm a fan of big point spreads. The, the, the bigger, the more fun you can have with it. Mm. This one just scares me with De- DeAndre Hopkins out for sure. He's not playing. Mm-hmm. So you're going to need Rondale Moore, AJ Green, Christian Kirk to really step up. James Conner has been kind of a focal point in this offense. But now I feel like the defenses can relax and take a deep breath. And kind of to your point with when we come, when we talk about Bill Belichick, I, I think the Lions are going to be smart enough to take away James Conner. And that's really going to hurt the Arizona Cardinals here. High price for Dan Campbell, uh, thinking that he can, uh, he's capable of that. But uh... I, I, th- this will be the last time I'm on this bandwagon. <laughs> Leon, if you're a lion, stab me in the back on this one. I am out. I will trash the Lions forever. Anyway, okay. Well, I think the Lions kind of peaked with that Vikings game. I don't know what to make of them now. They, they got smoked by the Broncos, did not cover a big spread in that game. No. And I think the Cardinals are a lot better than Denver. I know that the Lions are home and that makes a big difference. And, and Denver is traditionally not the easiest place to play. Um, but Arizona has been better on the road than they have been at home this year. Uh, and this is a dome. It's not like you're playing in Detroit in 17 degree weather where it's snowing outside. It's, it's you know, Ford Field is typically where teams get right on the Lions. <laughs> it's, it's sad, but it's true. I mean, I feel like the, the Ford Field is the gift that keeps on giving, especially in the holiday season. Uh, look, I got a lot of respect for Dan Campbell. Uh, the Lions, I like the, the culture they're building there. It seems like they have a really good thing going. They don't have a ton of talent right now. Um, I know DeAndre Hopkins got put on the IR. He had surgery. He is expected to come back in the postseason, unless that changed today. Um, obviously, that's a huge loss, but Rondale Moore, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk. I expect um, the tight end that they traded from the Colts, uh, Zach, uh, from the Eagles, Zach Ertz, to have a, an increased role now. I think you know he hasn't. He's been inconsistent, and I expect his targets to go up now. Um, obviously, James Conner's had an unbelievable year. If if they could get Chase Edmonds back, he adds another aspect to that backfield. Like the Cardinals are loaded, and I know losing DeAndre Hopkins hurts, but I don't think it's crippling, especially against the Detroit Lions. Uh, I think the line. I think the Cardinals win, and they cover. Uh, give me them thirty-one to nine over Detroit. Wow, that's a lot of points. That would also be the under since the, this game is at 47. Yeah, I well, yeah, I, I do kind of like that under. Just because I don't think the Lions are going to be able to score enough. Like, and the Cardinals really have to pour it on to get to that number. Yeah, I, I look, I I think they're going to cover. The Lions will cover the points. So Okay. So far, a couple of differences between us here, which is good. I mean, if we agree the whole show, how interesting is that? Uh, all right. 
Next game here is in Western New York. Uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, bringing in the Carolina Panthers, and uh, the season from hell of from Carolina certainly feels like it's 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 just ongoing here. I don't see it uh, getting fixed, and I think they're just kind of kind of keep going off the rails. Uh, this is a game that the Bills desperately need now at seven and six. They need a win to set up a huge matchup with the Patriots the following week. If the Bills want to make the playoffs, they'll be relevant in the AFC East race. They need to take care of business here against Carolina. Uh, I think they do that. I think Josh Allen, despite having turf toe or some sort of foot injury, he said he feels fine. He has practiced. He's expected to play. Uh, I just like the Bills in the spot at home, and I think Carolina's a mess. So uh, the spread on this one, uh, Bills are favored by 10.5 and over under 44.5. So give me the Bills over and to cover. Uh, I'm going to take the Bills to win. And I like the points. I got them winning 29 to 10 mm, over so the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I don't think they get the over. I, I'll take the under on this game. Um, it would be interesting to me because with pa- the Panthers quarterback situation being a total cluster muck, I, I just I can't buy into them keeping it close enough to compete. And I, I like the Bills and I like the matchup going in against the Patriots, a little revenge game. So I think their focus is solely on this game and then I'll transition to the Patriots, but I like the bills in this spot as well. Yeah. I think the bills at home have really run up the score against some bad teams. Uh, saw it against the Texans and I feel like they did it um, <clears throat> against the jets. I mean, it was yeah. the jets made it was the dolphins. I can't remember which one, but uh, against bad teams, they've really done a nice job of that. So I think more of that is coming here. I like the bills 38 to 14 over Carolina. Wow. Big All numbers. Right. Yes. Now, uh, you know, Henry commented on my ugly giant sweater, um, but I'm only doing this in honor of the game I'm attending on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Uh, Ugly and Giants go hand in hand these days, and (laughs) I am going to MetLife Stadium to watch Mike Lennon take on the Dallas Cowboys, and (laughs) the Giants opened up in this game as a 10.5 point home underdog, and it remains to be the case here. Um, look, I am being dragged to this game as a gift to, uh, the best man at my wedding and who is a Cowboys fan. So, um, luckily he doesn't drink. So I'm going to go have a good time. I'm going to just hope for the best weather wise and watch the giants, uh, get eliminated from the playoffs while the Cowboys essentially clinch the division on our home turf. So it will be a weird day for me on Sunday, but hopefully it's a good one. I expect the Cowboys to take care of business, to win and to cover and to hit the over on their own. Yeah, with, with the sky cam back at quarterback, I, I just don't like this matchup. I've seen too many Mike Glennon games, yeah. so I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think Dallas has enough to cover the points. I, uh, last time I saw the points were at 10.5 um, in favor of the Cowboys. Um, if we're still at that, it doesn't matter. You know, It'd have to be 17 points for me to get really concerned. I got the Cowboys winning 34-17. to 17. And sneaky pick. C.D. Lamb will be the first player to score a touchdown in this game. Ooh, throwing out prop bets for us, Matt Bush. I like that. Uh, so just for reference here, the Cowboys won the first matchup 44 to 20 <laughs> down in Gerald world and Daniel Jones got hurt. So we did see Mike Lennon <laughs> in the second half of that game. Uh, that was the Kadarius Tony game. The only game he really had that was great in his entire life and he got ejected. So uh, <laughs> I think the differences now uh, would be the giants have even less healthy talent on the field and, uh, Micah Parsons has turned into a defensive player of the year candidate. So uh, that is alarming. Uh, I don't think we even see Glenn in the whole game. If he doesn't get hurt, uh, I expect him to get benched at some point for Jake Fromm. I think the Giants are committed to seeing what they have in him. I, despite my belief, it is nothing. Um, it is worth seeing at the very least because you know what you have in Mike Glenn. Uh, yeah. it, that's established. <laughs> it's, it was my whole problem with when you benched Eli for Geno Smith. Geno Smith's not going to come out there and look like Deshaun Watson all of a sudden. Um, so this to me is at least – I would rather go and watch Jake Fromm for four quarters than to watch Mike Glennon, to be honest with you, because at least there's an unknown there. Um, it could be horrible. It probably is horrible, but I'd rather give it a shot. Um, I, and I expect the Cowboys to roll uh, in this one. Um I don't know if I gave a final score, but I think the Cowboys, I think, really need to get right offensively in this game. They have not looked well. I don't think Dak is fully healthy, but I need them to do that here. Uh, Give me the Cowboys 45 to the Giants 17. 
All right, moving on now, because I don't want to talk about MetLife. I'm going to be there all day, whatever. I don't need to talk about it any more than that. Uh, <laughs> now, for a game that got a little bit more interesting with the news overnight, the Texans traveling to Duval to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, this game opened up as the Jags is a, a home favorite, a home favorite, actually three and a half. I can't believe that over the Texans. Uh, and now they are a five point favorite with Urban Meyer firing news overnight. Uh, this, this is the one of the lowest over unders you're probably going to see at 39 and a half. Um, I kind of want the Jags to come out and play inspired football here. I want them to shove it and just stick it right to Urban Meyer and say, you were the problem all along. We got talent on this team. Trevor Lawrence looking like a real number one overall pick. And the Texans just kicking the can down the road and saying, hey, we're just playing for a better draft pick at this point. So I don't know if I like the five, but I like the Jags to win this game. I'm excited to finally see Daryl Bevel in the head coach's seat. He has been long rumored to be a head coaching candidate for a long time, dating back to his time with Seattle. So, so now it's time, you know, we get to see, this is his audition time. And I think what we're going to see is the best game from Trevor Lawrence. I think we're going to get a heavy dose of James Robinson if healthy. And I think he is. So I'm expecting the Jags, Randy, to not only win this game, but Cover the points, baby. Wow. Give me the Jags and the points. <laughs> Jags 24 to 9. Give me three total Trevor Lawrence touchdowns this game. Oh man. Urban Meyer will never get a job again. That's what happens <laughs> in this game. Oh man. I mean, uh, this is also the audition uh <laughs> for Davis Mills on the Texan side of oh, the ball. God. So um, I don't really love that either. Um me, the, the Texans have two wins this year. One of them was against the Jags in week one. So I'm uh, just pointing that out. But I'm with you on this. I, you're talking me into it. Screw Urban Meyer. He took 13 weeks of Trevor Lawrence away from us. Let's get back to greatness with this guy. I want to see this right. guy make some plays and prove that he is a generational talent that we all said he was going to be. So I'm with you here. Give me the Jags. Let me give me them to cover. I want them 27 to 17 over the Texans at home. Yeah. Go Jags. <laughs> Duval. <laughs> <laughs> give me Leonard Fournette and Jalen Ramsey back just yelling Duval for no reason. <laughs> let's fix the Jags. Damn it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Now to the AFC East, uh, the New York Jets uh, travel down to Miami uh, and they get to play the Dolphins who are red hot and also coming off of a bye week, but uh, COVID is not escaping them either in the great state of Florida. Uh, they had to put rookie Jalen Waddle, who has been amazing this season on the COVID-19 list. Now I'm unsure of the status, if he's going to be, if he's able to play, if he gets negative tests, I'm unsure of that whole thing. Um, but there's Miles Gaskin, I think was a close contact and maybe someone else. So suddenly things get a little bit brighter for the Jets, um, who are a nine and a half point underdog in this game, which I think is a big number. Like I know the Dolphins are hot, but I don't think they're nine and a half points hot. So I kind of liking the Jets to cover here. And even if they don't win, I think they think they're capable of keeping it closer than that. Okay, so I th th this game initially when I saw it, I, I, I liked the Dolphins 24 to 13. I thought it was like, okay, you know, it's, it seems like a good number, 24, 13. Um, I, I could see the Jets getting two touchdowns this game. Not much more against this Dolphins defense. So I, I still think that's the case. I, I, I do think the Dolphins can hold them to one touchdown. So now it's just trying to figure out where this Dolphins offense is going to get points from. I, like you said, Jalen Waddle's been fantastic. A really fun wide receiver to watch. Um, very low key as well. So you still got Gasecki, And I don't know, the, the Gaskin thing is going to be interesting to me. If Gaskin can play, I still like them 24 to 13 and for them to, you know, get the points. But, but, but that's a big number now. You know? Nine points is a really, really big number when you have some potential COVID issues. Um, I like how two has been playing. You know what? The hell with it. 24-13, give me a pick six in this game for Zach Wilson. All right. 
I respect it. Uh, the Jets, see, the problem is the Jets have their own issues. <laughs> Elijah Moore is still not going to play in this game. Michael Carter also out for this game. Yeah. So the weapons for Zach Wilson, not exactly there. So if your argument is, uh, well, hey, the Dolphins are going through a COVID issue. Well, Mike Kosicki and Devontae Parker and whoever else the Dolphins have are better than what the Jets have. <laughs> so uh, fair. I think that's a fair argument. Um, I, I will say that I think the Dolphins win 17 to 9, which would barely, barely cover uh, for the Jets in this game. Um, it did open up as eight and a half. So it would, it would, the Jets would also cover that one too. So um, Jacob's not happy now. We, we upset Jacob. Look, I'm sorry, man. Uh, the Jets defense is poor. We're telling you the Jets defense is going to have a good day here. Yeah. Uh, if I said you only allowed 17 points, I would say that's pretty good for the Jets. I mean, 24 points is not bad. Yeah, I mean, one of them is a pick six, you said, so that's not yeah. even on them. So. Yeah, so it's 17 points. Yeah. Look, we both say 17 points for the Jets defense. Great job. Great effort. <laughs> you gave up 30 points to Taysom Hill at home. I would say this is a great bounce back effort for you. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm sorry, Jacob. I love you, buddy. Uh, all right. We, we got two more games left in the early window. Let's go to a game that I find very interesting, um, and it's a game that both of these teams, I think, need to have one more than the other, clearly, and it is the Titans going to the Steel City to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a, basically a pick 'em. The Steelers are a one point favorite or one point underdog yeah. at home, which is interesting considering the Titans don't have a lot of their guys. Uh, and the over under 42 and a half. Looking at this, um, the way the Titans played the last couple of weeks, I know they shut out the Jags, but this is the Urban Meyer kick, you, kick your ass to the curb game. Um, <laughs> I kind of like the Steelers here in desperation mode to, uh, to pull one out and kind of save whatever's left of their season. Man, I, I I saw this game and I'm like Titans, Titans, Julio Jones, uh, no AJ Brown still. I heard, I heard yeah. he's still out, so that's a big factor in this game. I don't love Tannehill. I I don't, and the propensity for the Steelers to score a lot of points in a short amount of time <laughs> is kind of intriguing to me. Um, the weather should be okay for this game. I think. I, I think there's a nice forecast for Sunday. A little chilly, but that's okay. You can play in chilly weather as long as it's not raining. Give me the Steelers here, man. I'm, I'm taking the Steelers at home. Typically, we see the home team get three points. So really, they're looking at the Titans as a four-point favorite here. Yep. If you read in between the lines, mm-hmm. I like the Steelers. Give me the Steelers, baby. Give me the Steelers. What did I have for them, Randy? I had the Steelers 23-21 over the Titans. Love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, TJ Watt, it really, and they go as far as he goes. He left that Vikings game in the first half, and it really changed the outcome, in my opinion. Um, TJ Watt is the, the the defensive player of the year because of the impact he has on games uh, and because he's still the sack leader uh, despite missing a few games, too. So if TJ Watt can put together a game where he actually plays, I think he's going to wreak havoc. Um, the Steelers, despite Ben's limitations, I think still have a ton of talent all over offense, the offense. I mean, the line needs work, but I like Claypool, even though he had that boneheaded mistake at the end of the game. Deontay Johnson is a very underrated wide receiver that I think if he had a better quarterback, we'd be talking a lot more about. Uh, Fryermuth looks like the next Heath Miller all of a sudden. Uh, and uh, and Anaji, I don't love picking a running back in the first round, but the, the guy is talented. So uh, I like the Steelers in this spot. I think they're desperate. I think Tomlin is desperate. <laughs> I think he heard you saying that the Steelers are going to have a below 500 record, and he's going to say, <laughs> not on my watch. <laughs> so give me Pittsburgh. Uh, I like them 19 to 17 over the Titans at home. And we both got a two-point difference in there. I love it. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be a defensive game, and I, I just think T.J. Watt is going to be the difference maker. So, uh, all right, one last game, and this one is huge for the NFC playoff picture. The last spot in the NFC playoff uh, wild card uh, um, spot is up for grabs, essentially, in this one, and it is the Washington football team traveling to Philly to play the Eagles. Washington getting schlacked by the Cowboys at home. Tried to make it interesting late after Taylor Heineke left the game, but it wasn't enough. 
Now, both of these teams sit at six and seven. Again, <laughs> Philly coming off of the bye. And reminder, Jalen Hurts did not play the last game. Uh, Gardner Minshew played in the game before that. Hurts had the worst game of his career against the Giants. So I could see some rust here out of Hurts. Uh, I actually I don't even know if Hurts is fully cleared to play. I assume he is. But uh, if Heineke has been practicing all week, so he's going to play. Uh, this game opened up as and I, I can't even believe this spread. This this really shocked me. So Washington, I mean, Philly was favored by four and a half when the spread came out here. Now uh, the Eagles are favored by nine and a half at home. I don't know if I like Washington to win, but I certainly like those points. And I'm going to take Washington at the very least to cover. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking Washington to cover as well. I, I think Philly wins. Um, really, I find it interesting because I'm I'm kind of secretly hoping that maybe Ron Rivera gets fired for whatever dumb-ass reason that Dan Snyder likes to do things and let Chico come home to Chicago, baby. Come on home, Chico. Uh, so last time the Bears went to the Super Bowl, Chico was the defensive coordinator, mind you. So kind of hoping for that sneaky pick for a head coach for the Bears, but I, I, I do think... Washington is just kind of that weird team. They got thoroughly embarrassed in the first half and then stormed back a, a little bit to, you know, the best of their abilities. Um, I just don't love where Heineke puts the football. I, I, I go through this every single game with him. I just hate ball placement. We see a guy like Aaron Rodgers with pinpoint accuracy, being able to put a football in the most perfect spot for his receiver to catch it. And then I see Heineke throwing six feet above his wide receiver's head um, against a very underrated and really good Eagles secondary. Mm-hmm. So I, I like Philly 24-23. Uh, look, I, I, I don't know what to make of Nick Sirianni. <laughs> I, I think he gets too, gets too cute, uh, especially when Jalen Hurts is in the game because there's obviously his strong suit is running the ball. Uh, they could treat him like – the Ravens treat Lamar Jackson yep. and the Eagles would be insanely successful. Um, I, I think he needs work throwing the ball. I think he's got a cannon for an arm. I mean, he's got a great arm. It's not wildly accurate. Uh, it is um, sort of, uh, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's, it's sort of sporadic in a way. <laughs> um, the way he throws the ball, his intermediate throws need work. His progressions obviously need work. Um, he gets too cute. Yep. As far as the coaching goes, I like Ron Rivera. Um, just to get his guys ready to be like bouncing back from a tough loss against the Cowboys. And I think Washington sees the path to make the playoffs here. And they know that Philly has an easy schedule and that Philly need, Philly can kind of win the rest of their games after this and have a chance. I think Washington understands the importance of this game for the rest of their season. Now I understand the Heineke concerns. I have them as well. Um, but as much as he has these lows, I think he's capable of saying, Hey, I'm going to forget completely about that and come back and play a better game here. Um, and McLaurin didn't have a single catch last week. I don't know what the likelihood of that happening is again. So just give me the Ron Rivera. I'm going to put my trust into Ron Rivera in this spot, and I don't think I hate it. Um, so give me the Washington football team getting the nine and a half, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh, I like them to win this game 28 to Phillies 24. Wow. And then Washington takes over that seven spot uh, and has a great record in the NFC. So Philly's going to have some work to do when they get the Giants uh, the following week. All right, let's go. All right, so that uh, is the early games. Then let's go on to the late games. And Henry, we finally get to your game, uh, and it is the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Santa Clara to play the San Francisco 49ers. So this game opened up, uh, let's see, it opened up at 8.5, and, and now it's 9.5. The, nine, the Niners are 9.5-point favorite at home. I, I think that's a pretty big number. Now, uh, I don't think the Falcons are very good, um, and I think the Niners actually are pretty solid here, but I, I just think that is a huge number here. Um, <laughs> I got my gut feeling just right off the bat is I think the Falcons cover and the Niners win. But, you know, Matt, if you feel differently, you could probably sway me here because I don't feel strongly either way. No, I, I, look, the Niners are a better football team. Uh, you know, I don't think we need to kid ourselves with that. I think they found that key to success with Kittle. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the Falcons on the road. I, they are a very good road team for whatever reason. And, you know, we both picked them last week to beat the Panthers. They did that and they covered. So to me, I, I just nine and a half is too big of a number. When you take a look at a team that's feisty, 
that's going to keep on playing. Is San Francisco more talented? Yes. But I could see a garbage time touchdown, keeping it Mm -hmm. close. Um, Give me the Falcons to cover. 49ers went outright 28 to 21. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I'm unsure of the status of Elijah Mitchell, um, but I don't think that really makes too much of a difference. I think if Debo, Ayuk, uh, and Kittle all play, that's ultimately enough for the Niners to get the job done. Uh, but I think you and I both agree that Arthur Smith really is kind of doing something with these Falcons, uh, yeah. a team that lacks a ton of talent, uh, doesn't have a lot of defensive players either that I like, um, and they're, they're competitive and they're in a ton of games. And, uh, you know, they win the games that they should win and they keep the games that they probably shouldn't win um, relatively close unless they play the Bucks. I think those are the two games they've gotten killed in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I like the Falcons to cover and the Niners to win. I think Bose is playing well. And if the Niners continue to keep Kittle as the focal point of the <laughs> offense, I like them so much more going forward than I did with Debo. And it's not a slight at Debo. I just think Kittle is that dude. <laughs> I think yeah. if he's leading you, he can lead you all the way there. We've seen that before with the, with the Niners making the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. So uh, I like the Niners here 31 to the Falcons 23. Yeah. And, and I will say, I, I would not want to play the Niners in a playoff game. That would concern me because they can do some things and you make some mistakes. You you could get in a big hole in a hurry. I agree. I totally agree with you. Uh, I think we have some interesting games in this late game slate here. And now we go to Denver um, where they get the Bengals. Now we're talking about playoffs, (laughs) playoff scenarios. These two teams are both battling among all of the AFC teams that are seven and six. These are two of them. Now I think the Bengals have a real shot to win the division. I think the Broncos need this more for the wild card situation, but nonetheless, I think one of these teams is in real jeopardy of missing the playoffs. Uh, whoever loses this, I think the Broncos more so than the Bengals, but if I were the Bengals, they already lost two in a row, uh, both of them at home. I would start to feel worried here. Since he uh, opened up as a two and a half point underdog with the spread, uh, you know, over under 44, it's a good number. Vegas knows what they're doing here with these numbers, yeah. uh, but it did open up with the uh, the Broncos favored by one and a half. So it did go up a point. Um, the Broncos are tough to play at home. I think they have that emotional edge still with that Demarius Thomas situation. And I don't like the vibes I get with the Bengals after losing two in a row at home. I'm liking the Broncos here. I've gone back and forth on this game about yeah. six times. It's a good one, man. It is. Uh, you know, so much already that this is my game of the day on Sunday. Uh-huh. I think this will be the best game you see all Sunday. There are so many things at play here, and there's one thing I want to see, and I, I'm going to watch this game. I want to see the Patrick Sertain against Jamar Chase matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I am looking forward to that matchup one-on-one. Let me see it. Give it to me. And you know what sucks is the TV angles aren't going to give it to me, so I'll have to catch it on the <laughs> coach's film, and I cannot wait to watch that matchup on the coach's film. To me – Initially, I thought Bengals. I'm like, okay, I can see the Bengals winning this game like 27-26-ish. Uh-huh. But I'm like, man, going to mile high is such a different atmosphere because you can get gassed quick because the air is so thin up there yep. and, and throwing those deep passes. If you're not used to that type of atmosphere, it can sneak up on you in a hurry. I'm going to go the Broncos here, and I'm going to go the Broncos to cover. Give me the Broncos 27 to 23. Yeah, the Bengals play entertaining games. Uh, I think we're learning that. I don't think they're ready for prime time, but they play an entertaining style of football. And it's because they have a good quarterback. Uh, I love Joe Burrow. I love his poise. Uh, I love his competitiveness. I love his, I feel like he's just insanely clutch. Uh, I love the three headed monster. And unfortunately I have the, the, the third uh, head there, Tyler Boyd, who's the least important <laughs> in a couple of my fantasy leagues. Um, but they have weapons and then Joe Mixon adds a nice rushing attack. But what the Broncos do really well, I don't know if the Bengals can stop and they run the ball really well with Javante Williams and uh, Melvin Gordon. Like that two headed attack is amongst the best, best in the league. If not the best in the league, they are really good at rushing the football. Teddy has been playing steady. Uh, That's why they call him that. Uh, He's not going to turn the ball over. He is an effective quarterback. Uh, I like the Broncos at home. I think you you mentioned the the, uh, the, the climate there and the the, the high elevation. So give me the Broncos. I like this as a tight game, 24 to 21, Denver. 
Now, the next game, Matt, would be a lot more interesting if the quarterback didn't get hurt for Baltimore. Uh, now, if Lamar Jackson plays, it's a lot more interesting. But I still think Green Bay is at another level than Baltimore is right now. So it's the Packers in Baltimore to play the Ravens. Um, it looks like we're getting Tyler Huntley against Aaron Rodgers, which is a mismatch of all mismatches here. Um, this game opened up as Baltimore is a four and a half point uh, home dog. And now the spread, let me find it on the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook here is providing me all of the updated lines, so I appreciate that. Now the Ravens are five-and-a-half-point dogs, so I changed the point. So I don't know if that opened with the expectation Lamar was already missing, um, but that's my guess. Uh, I haven't seen if Lamar was officially ruled out, but that's also my assumption. So um, the Packers are on a roll. They are playing incredible football. They feel like they are running away with the one seed in the NFC. Um, and they need all of these games because um, I don't think the Bucs are going to lose either. So um, this game, very important uh, to Green Bay. And I think they take care of business. I'm going to, I just, I've seen Aaron Rodgers play the last couple of weeks now, mm-hmm. and it's just a different level. Like he has put himself in that MVP race. I think it's clearly now between Brady and Rodgers for the MVP um, coincidentally enough, those are the one and two seeds in the NFC right now with the Packers being the one and the Bucks being the two. I don't think this game is going to be very competitive. They could have set the spread at 10 and I would have felt comfortable with it. I think Green Bay cruises to an easy victory. Packers 35, Baltimore 19. Yeah, I mean, I, I like, I mean, Tyler Huntley, I don't think he's a great quarterback, but as a backup, he uh, is kind of frisky. I don't, he, he, uh, he doesn't kill you. Uh, I, I know that he isn't, you know, super accurate, but he's got, got this Taylor Heineke thing where he's just fun. <laughs> he, he extends plays with his legs. He can run. Uh, he does throw the deep ball. I think he probably throws the deep ball more than Lamar does. Uh, he got Bateman involved in the second half of that game. So uh, I, I expect this game to not be a snoozer of a blowout, but I am with you that I think Green Bay does just take care of business. Uh, give me the Packers 33 to the Ravens uh, 16, which oh, kind of feels like a snoozer now that I say it out loud. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It might be close early. Like yeah. Green Bay does some things that I don't like, like take a quarter off like they don't like special teams. So that's something that can keep Baltimore in the game. I just think Aaron Rodgers is at such a different level right now. And with the Ravens having no cornerbacks, it's yeah. Big game for Devontae Adams. Yeah. Uh, And this game got a little bit more interesting too at SoFi stadium. Uh, The Seahawks uh, travel to play the AFC or NFC West rival in the Rams coming off their Monday night football victory, but more bad news for the Rams after Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby were put on the COVID-19 list before Monday night football, Odell Beckham jr. Joins them on that list who had scored three times in the last three games. I don't know what their status is officially for this one. If if they're vaccinated, if they can get approved or not, Um, that is not something I've seen confirmed or denied. So that is a, I'm sure to me, but the line opened at six and a half for the Rams. It is now at five and a half. Um, the Seahawks coming off of a pretty easy victory over the Texans last weekend. Uh, is there any chance here Seattle could make it three in a row and uh, spoil the Rams here uh, down the stretch? I find it interesting that the, the line is moving down. They're probably trying to gar- garner some interest in the Rams, trying to mm-hmm. get those fish to bite on the Rams here at that spread. I don't love it. I, I think the Seahawks can get feisty. Initially, when I looked at the game, I thought, okay, well, you know, I could see, you know, the Rams winning by double digits. It's, it's another game I don't love betting on because Seattle, typically in the NFC West, just causes a lot of issues for teams. Um, so much so that I actually like Seattle to win this game outright. I, uh-huh. I think they cover the points. I think, you know, they get a couple of big Russell Wilson touchdowns. Um, I like Metcalf. I like, um, oh God, I can't lock it. Yeah. Lock it yeah. So g- g- give me Seattle 31 to 29 over the Rams. And I, I just got to stress this, you know, Kyler Murray didn't play his best football game and he made some really bad throws in the red zone that maybe cost his team a touchdown or two. Mm-hmm. So, I, I like Russell Wilson to clean that stuff up. I like the Cardinals offensive line a lot more and Aaron Donald still has had his way with them. So I worry yeah. about that aspect of it for Seattle. Um, I kind of with you that they cover. I don't know if I'm with you that they win. Um, so this is a game where I need Aaron Donald to dominate again. 
Uh, I don't know if Rashad Penny also has another game of his life. <laughs> that feels like a, a thing of the past. At least a one a one time only situation there. Um, so we'll see who ends up playing for the Rams. But ultimately, I do think Seattle covers. Uh, but I will take the Rams, and I think it's a, more of a defensive game for them. Give me them twenty four to twenty over the Seahawks, and Seattle covers. All right, that's the late game window. We got two primetime games left before we say goodbye, Matt Bushnell. We're around the one hour mark, so we can go through these quickly if you uh, if you need to bounce. Um, but Sunday Night Football, it is uh, NFC South, and it's a kind of a weird rivalry here because since Tom Brady joined the Bucks, one team has owned him more than the others, and it is the New Orleans Saints. They go into Tampa Bay as an 11 and a half point underdog. That feels like a lot for a team that has had kind of had their way. And they already did have their way this year uh, in New Orleans when Jameis Winston was able to beat them. Well, I guess it was, uh, what's his name there? <laughs> Trevor Simeon at the end of that game. Uh, I mean, Trevor Simeon's beating Tom Brady. I think there's some sort of evil juju in the air at that point. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe the Tampa weather with Taysom Hill changes things here. But I kind of just like the Saints to keep this interesting. Ultimately, I like the Bucks to win, but wouldn't shock me at all if the Saints are, are in this with a chance to win at the end. I don't like the Saints in this game at all. I, I think we're going to get a very heavy dose of Leonard Fournette, who's just really turned it on lately. Um, initially, I saw the points. I'm like, man, that's, that's a lot of points. But then I remembered the Saints offensively just suck. <laughs> and the Bucks are rounding into shape. I, I, I like what the Bucks are doing right now. It seems like they're getting that playoff push going. I think this is an important game for them. They have to win this game, especially with Green Bay projected to beat Baltimore. I like the Bucks and the points so much so. Give me the Bucks 40 to 14. Wow. There's also some Taysom Hill garbage time magic. Uh, he, he did it against the Jets. Like that game ended up being like 30 to nine, but it wasn't that much of a blowout that whole game. Yeah. <clears throat> and then even when the Saints lost uh, in that Cowboys game, uh, he had some garbage time success as well. So it wouldn't shock me if there's a backdoor cover situation here. Um, so much so that I'm going to still pick the Saints to cover, but the Bucks to win. So give me the Bucks, 35 to 28 over New Orleans. Maybe a Taysom Hill rushing touchdown in the final minute gets the job done for New Orleans. So there you go. Tom Brady might throw another 10 touchdown passes and have 800 by the end of this one. I don't even know how we how we can keep track. Uh, <laughs> all right, Monday Night Football and Matt. I don't know how this keeps happening to you, but um, your Bears are in prime time again. Uh, it is remarkable that uh, Chicago and New York and all these big markets, no matter how crappy the team is, they find themselves on national television. So, Monday Night Football. The Minnesota Vikings, who recently lost to the Detroit Lions uh, and barely beat the Steelers in prime time, I should add, on Thursday Night Football the following week, get the Bears in Chicago at Soldier Field. Soldier Field, the Justin Fields, the whole Chicago aesthetic. I guess they really only put this game on national TV just to show the Sears Tower and all the other things. Because Chicago, I mean, it is an elite, elite skyline of a city, I have to say. Yeah. Um, maybe that's the only reason why they do it. But nonetheless, <laughs> NFC North outdoors in, the, in December, got the holiday graphics. I could probably get into this one a little bit, but we still get Kirk Cousins in prime time. I, I, I think this is going to be a surprise decent game. I, I don't think it's going to be a bad game. Um, you know, the Bears came out today and three of their all three of their coordinators are on the COVID list. So they may be without their defensive coordinator, their offensive coordinator, and their special teams coordinator. But you know what that means? Matt Nagy's going to pull triple duty, baby. He's going to call the offense, he's going to call the defense, and he's going to do special teams. He's going to be a one-trick, or no, a multi-trick pony. To me, this, this game is very interesting. Matt Nagy, against the NFC North, does pretty well. He's beat the Packers once. Combined, the Vikings and the Lions only have two wins against Matt Nagy total. I'm going to take the Bears here, Randy. They're going to cover and they're going to win this game. We are wow. going to see the emergence of Justin Fields in full bloom. I just, I don't believe in the Vikings as a football team totally. Um, they very well could win this game. So, so this game could go one of two ways. I, I like what I saw from them Monday night against the Packers. To me, it's like, is Adam Thielen going to play? That could be an X factor in this game. A big time one that slants it in favor of, the Vikings. Also, I don't know if Roquan Smith's going to give it a go. He left the Packers game early due to a hamstring. 
but I think if you get Roquan Smith playing, I like Darnell Mooney I a lot in this game against a bad Viking secondary. Jalen Johnson, quietly, if you guys haven't paid attention to him as a cornerback, he is really, really good. And, I, you know, I'd probably say he's a top 15 corner in the NFL this season and last season combined. He's done a really nice job as a cornerback, so much so that the Packers had to move Devontae Adams into the slot where Jalen Johnson never plays. Jalen Johnson will never go in the slot for the Bears, just not how their defense is built. So give me the Bears 23-21 over the Vikings. Wow. Yeah, like I don't love the Kirk Cousins in primetime thing, <laughs> I got to say. Uh, <laughs> but it was they, they did beat the Steelers. Uh, and I'm not really thanks to Kirk Cousins, but he did make a throw in the second half to K.J. Osborne that was uh, necessary. Uh, I think the Bears cover, uh, it opened up at at three and a half, and now the Bears are getting seven. So I, I got to take the Bears to cover that spread. Um, number. Wait, is it seven? Wait. And, I, I would find it hard to believe they moved it to seven. I'm on the wrong week here is what I'm at. Yeah. So uh, once I find the correct week, I will get you the proper <laughs> spread. Yeah. It, would help, the, I, it uh, would help if I was there. A, a, a lot of points in a cold night in Chicago. It's four and a half, so one up a point. Uh, I like the Bears to cover, uh, but I like the Vikings to win. I think the Vikings need this game to remain in the NFC playoff picture. I, I'll save Minnesota 26 to the Bears 23. All right. Um, and I need that pick. I need that pick to keep you know, staying in that little five to six range for my Giants. That's what I need. Um, so I need I, fields can look good. All that all that stuff. That's great. Um, just just lose for me, baby. Just lose. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not. I know. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I'm a bad person. All right. Well, uh, this is the first Thursday edition in the books, Matt Bushnell, episode 84. Finally, uh, you and I back to our two show week schedule. I think right at the right time, week 15, a couple more weeks left, the NFL season, a truly exciting time of the year for, I think, you know, in general with the holidays, um, obviously COVID getting a little bit worse. I hope everyone stays safe out there. Um, I hope you guys can enjoy uh, watching some football and enjoying some family time uh, over the stretch and uh, doing so in a safe way. So Matt, uh, you want to see some of the other shows we have under our life group umbrella for other people to enjoy as well? Absolutely. I'm just going to call it the Total Basis Podcast on Sundays um, with Felipe Malicia and I believe Austin Sparrow is joining him as well. They kind of go on Sunday mornings. Um, kind of a tough spot in the NFL season with all the pregame show, but catch those guys, baseball talk. Kind of interesting. You know, you hear some names. Some names are moving. And then um, on Monday night, we will have the step back with Jacob Anthony Moses and Leon Tompkins. I mean, COVID is ravaging the NBA right now, but it's not ravaging Kevin Durant, who is just <laughs> torching every team in sight, including one Skip Bayless. So we, we love ourselves some KD. And then um, Tuesday, we're back, baby. We're back and better than ever at the noon Eastern time slot, 10 a.m. Uh, cent- I'm sorry, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. 9 a.m., kind of early on the California coast, but 10 a.m. for Arizona Standard Time. So check us out. And then, of course, we will be live again on Thursday. Yes, Christmas Eve Eve edition of that show. So uh, you know, if you're, you're off and you're enjoying yourself, just come hang out and talk some football with us. Uh, well, thank you for watching this special YouTube streamed edition of the Football Life Presents the Audible. We greatly appreciate all of your uh, participation in the show and if you want some feedback. If you like the gambling aspects of it, if you like splitting the shows up, we want to hear from you. So reach out to us on our Facebook pages, on our Twitter feeds, whatever comments and, and then the YouTube uh, page as well. We'd appreciate that as well. Uh, and if you're listening to this later on any of the audio only platforms, uh, thank you for making us a part of your day. And well, no matter what that is, it could be six months from now. Thank you for giving us the time and uh, we appreciate the support. So uh, Matt, if you don't have any parting words, be good. Speechless. Speechless. All right. Well, you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy week week 15. On behalf of Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Hammond saying have a good one.